God bless and welcome to this week's episode of Family Discussion. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Jesus teaches us in the Gospel of John that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love one another. And yet it seems like the love of Jesus is less and less evident in the way that we speak to and about one another, especially when we disagree. So, in the hopes of recapturing the brother-sister love that Jesus has won for us, we are calling a family meeting. For the next half hour, let's cut through the noise and look at the issues without slander and malice. It's time for a family discussion. God bless and welcome to today's edition of Family Discussion. We're so glad to be with you this, uh, now we're, we're a little bit past Easter now, which is kind of crazy to think about because this COVID thing's been going for a while, but we're past Easter. And uh, as always, I am joined by the incredible Lisa Spencer. Lisa, how are you today? I'm, I'm doing okay, Marcos. How are you? Um, you know, I'm good. I am on vacation this week. Whatever um, that means. I don't know <laughs> what that means. I really don't know. I, I have a plan, though. I have a plan for how I'm going to make this an actual semi-vacation. Um, so what I am going to do is I'm going to spend a lot of time hanging with the kids. Um, we are uh, starting with Toy Story and moving our way all the way through the Pixar movies. That is, I'm coming up with like a definitive Pixar ranking. And I'm having the kids help me with that. Um, awesome. Now, they have to still be in school. <laughs> so I yeah. can't just do that. But um, So I'm doing that. I am also... Um, I got a book. My wife let me buy a book for my vacation. I was so grateful. Um, I have about a hundred gazillion books I have not read yet, but she allowed me to buy a book. And um, this book is called The Gatekeepers. And if anybody knows me, they know that my favorite, um, my favorite TV show in the world is The West Wing. I am fascinated by the inner workings of the White House. And The Gatekeepers is about chiefs of staff and how the chief of staff um, does his job in... Uh, really helping run the country, being the number two person to the, the president. And so I get to that read some non oh, I'm so excited. So, um, yeah, so that's what I'm doing on my vacation. Lisa, how are you doing this week? You know, I, I'm doing okay. I'm trying to keep track of what, what day is, is it. I don't, you know, even know. Um, you know, just trying to take one step at a time. Um, you know, watching, observing, praying, and, you know, and just really trying to keep worry, anxiety, frustration. I think frustration is is probably what a lot of people are really experiencing. You know, the combination of grief and and frustration, you know, at these circumstances. I have those moments of, is this really happening? <laughs> you know? I mean, it is like I never would have guessed we we would yeah. go through something like this. Um, but but it, it is, and really trying to keep it in a, a, a proper perspective. It's been a absolutely bizarre twenty twenty. Yes. I mean, so for um, can we get a refund? I mean, <laughs> it's insane. Last uh, yesterday, um, a couple days ago on Sunday, whenever I'm losing my days as well, um, on Sunday. One of the uh, one of the things that happened um, was we got to watch worship. That's what we do every Sunday. Um, we get to sit around as a family and watch worship. We don't get to go because we are doing our best to obey the laws that are set out for us. 
And so we, um, what we did was we sat down to watch worship. The sermon begins and he walks us through. He's like, imagine if somebody came from 2020 back to 2019, just through a time warp and explain the things that happened. And he starts rattling these things off. Um, the wildfires in Australia that nobody is thinking about anymore. Um, mm-hmm. The earthquakes that rock Puerto Rico. Um, the, the locust in Africa. The locusts in Africa, right, which is, I mean, they tore countries apart. Um, when you think about the, uh, oh, what else was there? But, oh, um, Meghan Markle and the, the first family drama that happened. Yeah. Um, Kobe. And his daughter dying in the in the copter crash, right? And this has all happened in the last couple months. Yeah. And and we've on top we've, of COVID, right? And then COVID happens, and um, you know, I think I think frustration is normal. I uh, that's I feel that as well from time to time. It's like oh, this deep frustration that gets in me. Um, I wonder if there's also a frustration there because of some of the things that we're seeing spotlighted about kind of the human condition <laughs> or spotlighted yeah. about our society. Um, Dr. Fauci uh, at a press conference a couple weeks ago was sharing that um, one of the things COVID has done, right? COVID is its own problem. It's its mm-hmm. own challenge. But one of the things that COVID has done is to shine a spotlight on some of the problems that already existed in our society. Yes. And we're seeing that happen in some pretty ugly ways. But we're also seeing a spotlight shine on some pretty positive things as well. And so I think what we'll do today is we'll talk a little bit about the spotlight that COVID is on our society. What are some of the things that COVID has shown us? What are some of the things that we need to learn from with COVID? And, um, you know, we can, I I don't know, if if we're recording this a couple weeks ago, I'm thinking, hey, we're almost done. But I have no idea when when this is going to be over. So um, I just wonder, what what is COVID spotlighting that is getting us a little bit angsty? And, you know, one of the, that's a great question. And one thing that I've, I've observed and, and sort of come to this conclusion that it's really exposing our loyalties and our lenses, you know, so how are we seeing the world? And, you know, and so one of the ways, uh, you know, one kind of really ugly um, way that this has come up and, and this the lens of partisanship. And what that has done, you know, we've started off talking about COVID in this way that, you know, are we looking at this circumstance through a partisan lens? And I will take it even one step further. And are we, you know, for those who are looking at the situation through a Trump lens and that's for or against it's, you know, the pro Trumpers who and I, I use this loosely. So there's a segment of. Trump supporters who have taken on this idea that every everything every attack on him is an attack against America, which you know hence the fake news, um, mm-hmm. you know mantra, um, and so that it becomes it, it's it's almost like he's the I don't know whether you want to call it poster child or um, you know, but it's this idea that who we are as Americans are determined by this particular lens of, you know, that's really, in my opinion, 
not really anchored into the founding principles. So one of the ways that we're seeing this come up was with these protests, you know, and the, and pe folks are showing up, not socially distanced, by the way, no masks, no gloves, piled upon one another. Well, that's, I mean, that's the whole point for them, right? The right. And I even, I, you know, I even have to applaud Ben Shapiro, you know, who said that, you know, I mean, Ben Shapiro, we know how, you know, where Ben Shapiro stands. And he said, even he said, you know, if you're going to do this, you might want to show that you're responsible enough to want the, you know, that you're responsible for an open economy. If that's what you're pushing. The fact you're not even, you know, uh, taking safety into consideration. Um, but I think it's, you know, and so what I'm hearing in these protests, it's all about my rights, right? These are my constitutional rights, which is probably why they're showing up with, you know, AR-15s, and I don't even know why that's needed, uh, because if it's about opening the economy, like, first of all, who are the guns for, right? And all this tying to a Second Amendment, but it also makes me realize that, you know, if it's about your constitutional rights, let's go back. And, and you know, I'm not, I'm not a political theorist. Um, you know, I have a, as an American citizen, as someone who's fairly educated, you know, I have a basic understanding of the, the um, you know, of the founding of our, of, of our country. But your rights, our constitutional rights are always anchored in a, uh, a design for the common good, right? So it wasn't mm. just my rights for me to do what I want. It's that liberty that is afforded to me is for the promotion of a virtuous society. That's different than just having my rights for me. And that's what I'm seeing. And, and, it, and I'm very disappointed to see the president supporting it. You oh, know, I was I mean, listening to his price. His uh, so forget about the tweets, but I was listening to his press briefing yesterday, and a reporter asked, and "He's like, well, you know, protests. People protest for all kinds of reasons, and it's like, okay, Mr. President, why are they protesting this? And it, and is that not contradictory to the message that you seem to want to convey about safety? You know, it's contradictory. Yeah, and and it's. I mean, it's disturbing, frankly. When we consider the um, when we consider the way that people are not just ignoring social distancing ordinances, and um, I mean, I don't know if we call them laws as much as they are, you know, orders to stay home. Mm -hmm. Well, they're executive orders, like here in Virginia, and I, I believe in other states, it's an executive order. So it's yeah. pretty much an ordinance. I mean, it's one of the things that's interesting is, you know, when we compare this to what's going on, for example, in the UK. Um, so uh, my half my family's in Wales. My, uh, my mom grew up in Cardiff, Wales. And um, they're arresting folks. Like, you go out multiple times, you're going to prison. Um and and it's a it's a much more strictly enforced um, isolation and quarantine there. This is a, a stay at home order or a New York New York pause. Right, we mm -hmm. came up with our own little thing because we're in New York and we can't just have a stay at home order. You can do whatever um, you want to do. Yeah, you know, <laughs> apparently. And um, and so I'm seeing these protests, and what's so ugly is. 
I, I don't I hate making this correlation, but these seem to be the same folks who get really, really angry when non white folks have their protests about things. When they feel like their rights have been infringed, when they feel like the law has not been on their side, they protest and these folks show up and counter protest with their AR fifteens and their flags. And and I'm not talking the American flag there. I'm talking their flags. We know what we, we, we know, know what, what flag. other flags there are, yes. And I just it bothers me that um you have somebody in the White House who says that these folks are like Rosa Parks. Because if Rosa Parks had tried this, she'd have been shot on sight. Right. And I just, it, it, it disturbs me. You know, you ask who are the guns for. Part of what freaks me out is I think I know who the guns are for. And um, that I, I've been really disturbed by these protests. Because they're, again, over the last four years maybe a little longer, the underbelly of American racism has really been given the light of day again. And it's mm-hmm. it's disturbing because we thought it was gone, or or at least I was dumb enough to think it was not gone, but at least much lesser. Yeah. But now it's it's holding protests again. Right. And and here's what and here's what really gets me too, aside from aside from that, you know, the fact that it's look, it's been a month. It's been a month where people have been told, you know, and I get it's frustration. Like we all, and to varying levels, like we all experience it. It's frustrating when you want to go to work and you can't go to work. You know, it's frustrating half the, you know, having everything closed. It's frustrating having to stay in the house. But um, it's been a month, a little, maybe a little, you know, so, so, so yeah, five, about five weeks. And here's a point, and this is a point I made in a Facebook post yesterday, that when you look, it's like, okay, so what, what, so, so what are the protests for? Well, my, I'm not being afforded the right to live as a, an American citizen. I'm not afforded my rights. Okay, well, let's look at what's happened to black folks in this country for a long time, for a whole lot longer than five weeks, you know? <laughs> um you know, where there was that repression, you know, actual repression that was, it was codified in the legal system. It was ensconced in the fabric of society. Um, so imagine having that for like decades. You know, this is why the civil rights movement happened and the ongoing vestiges of what's go, you know after that so you can't then turn around and you know after five weeks of this particular situation and then turn around and get angry when other people like you have no footing right now to do that but here's another thing that disturbs me is I, I, every single picture that i've seen of the protest where people with you know, I mean, people are out there with assault rifles. They're just roaming free. I'm like, where are the police? Where is the National Guard that's typically called in when other group, when you see this happen or anything close to it with other groups? Why are the police not defending on this group? I, I, you know, it's... I'm just asking. Listen, we... um 
we are seeing people who are directly um, disobeying the orders of their govern of their government officials, and they're doing the very thing that they're told they're not allowed to do. They're Congress. Let's even put the the guns away for a minute. Although the guns freak me out, but let's put the guns away for a minute. They're doing this, and they're not getting fined. They're not getting arrested. When listen. When y'all are going to roll up on folks who are at church trying to do a drive-in church service, and you're going to take their numbers down, and you're going to find these folks, and you're going to warn them that they're going to go to prison if they go into a drive-in church service, not even get out of their cars. But these folks can go onto public property, armed to the teeth, in direct violation of the stay-at-home order, and just go on home? I'm sorry, but that is not okay. It's not. It's 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 unjust. It, it is. is unjust. It is, and and you know, it's weird seeing the same Christians who were screaming about the uh, the license plate thing that happened. Some of them applauding these folks for flouting. I'm I'm just going. I don't I, I don't get the cognitive yeah, dissonance there. I've seen there. that, and I don't understand it either. But but again, it's you know, it's like what what is this exposing? You know, they these so it. This was already there. These sentiments were already there. And all it's doing is, is like Dr. Fauci said, just shining the spotlight on what's there. Another thing that I think is being shown to us, and um, I think we're going to talk about this in another episode as well. We're going to go a little deeper into it because this, is, this deserves a much longer conversation than we're going to give it right now. Is it showing the profound medical discrepancies um, between the African American community and the rest of American society, um, the number that I saw today in an article is that thirty percent of COVID deaths are African American. Um, meanwhile, thirteen percent of the American population is African American, and um, those of us who put a lot of weight, myself included here, I include myself here, those of us who put a lot of weight on on um, language of structural racism have pointed to this as another example of that structural racism and the way that it is killing African Americans in this country. Now, there are a whole lot of factors playing into this, and um, for me, at root of these factors is structural racism that stretches itself all the way back to slavery. But I think one of the things that we have to wrestle with, no matter what we disagree, you know, no matter what we're wrestling with on the, the factors and the causes, 30% of the people who are dying are black. That is wrong. Why is it happening? And how do we address it? That's a nice long conversation. But I think we're seeing the spotlights being shown. Um, people don't die in this country equitably, if you will. Right. And, you know, I was listening to your governor's uh, press briefing um, earlier this morning and he, you know, he indicated that 41% of frontline workers are people of color. So, you know, how he's classifying, you know, people of color, I presume to mean, um, you know, African Americans and Latinos. Yeah. So Asian Americans in there as well. I'm sure. I mean, oh, okay. so I, I would assume with the phrase "people of color" that he's including all non-white. Um, Men and okay. women, yeah. So 
our healthline worker. So we're talking about our health, you know, your healthcare system, service delivery. So your lower end jobs that are keeping what we have the economy economy open, right? The store, people stocking shelves, cashiers, um, transportation workers. Um, so what we have of an economy going, like these are the, the folks, 41%. Now we know that's not representative of the overall population. So we have more people of color in these types of occupations. And so it does, ask, it does ask a question, okay, why? And I, I think you're right. There, there's a variety of factors, um, at play. Um, I think there's an argument you can say at root is a structural, um, but there are other factors that we have to, you know, to, to keep in mind as well. Um, you know, density, uh, plays a factor. Um, so there's a reason, right? Why New York City is just, exploding you know places like new orleans and detroit um so yeah so that that will be a very interesting uh conversation for another day because as you know the um the surgeon general at a press conference last week kind of bought up the issue of behavior um the way he said it i didn't like um especially when you know when he said well we need you to step it up in other words looking at the underlying health disparities um, in people of color, and particularly African Americans, you know, who have this comorbidity, this, you know, these underlying issues that it's, and, and it's, it's well documented, you know, hypertension, diabetes, heart disease, like these are the kind of underlying conditions. And I, I was, and I've read in other places, obesity, um, that, you know, that seem to be more prevalent in with African Americans, and so then it goes back to the question of why can we say that it's all structural? You know, um, is there not could there be you know some uh, behavior or cultural aspects to it? We can't say it's all you know one or the other. I think it's possibly a combination of both. But the way he said it, you know, especially when he said, we need you to step it up, like, okay, so if somebody bought this up on Twitter the other day, it's like, well, are you saying the same thing about, um, are you saying the same thing about the, um, the elderly, you know, right. population? Like, come on, grandma, we need you to step it up. I mean, come on, man. That's, you know, and, 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 you know, does this represent an underlying disposition to, you know, to and I would say lower income communities of color. Well, and and I think this is part of it, right? So when we look at um, the you know forty one percent of of folks who are on the front lines of this are people of color, um, and then we ask the question: Well, you have some in that number who are your doctors and your leaders and and those who are you know they're doing this work and they're going home to their McMansion. You know, so some of that forty-one percent is, you know, they're they're high-earning, high-wage earners, but a lot of that forty-one percent um, are the folks who are in the grocery stores. They're the ones who are the mail carriers. They're the ones who are working, um, kind of workers. working poor, right? Mm -hmm. The the working poor is really what we're looking at. And so we ask, because one of the objections to this will be, well, it's economic. 
the lower class is the one that's gotten hit. And absolutely that's true. The poor are the ones suffering the most here. The question I ask is, why is it that so many black and brown folks in this country are among the poor? Disproportionately so. Yeah, and so it's it's not neat. There's economic concerns here. There are behavioral questions here, right? I mean, um, there's there's always a question of personal responsibility in the face of structural and, and systemic racism. Um, all those questions are at play. But I think that what the spotlight has shown us is that these disparities are striking and they mirror other disparities that we've seen. Why is it that black women die in childbirth at much a higher rate than any other ethnicity? Um, what are the things at play here um, that we need to really take seriously? I mean, you, you brought up density. There was a study that was done, and um, I, I read the report in the New York Times. If you, I, I don't know what the unit is that you measure pollution in. I forget the, the name of the unit. But if you brought it down just two points, two points in New York, you would have saved 20% of the people who died. Wow. Two points. And and so you have to ask the question about pollution. The, the, the pollution in this country has set us up to be more susceptible to death when COVID hit because it's respiratory. And the people who are dying are dying from the respiratory side of this disease. And if you've been breathing in the pollution and your lungs aren't as strong because of the kind of pollution you've been breathing in, then you get COVID, you're going to die. And so it's got to you got to ask the question about clean air. Like a whole lot of different things are being brought to the surface right now that we have to seriously consider. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. One of the other things that we have seen spotlighted is um, some of the incredible work that's being done. You know, we talk about those who are on the front lines. So I wonder if we can shift our focus a little bit for these last 10 minutes or so away from some of the things that are frustrating us. And there are plenty. <laughs> and we will get into those more and more as we go. But what are some of the things that have been spotlighted that have encouraged you over these last few days and last few weeks? I mean, what are some of the things you've seen that's been like, you know what, the best of us is showing up? Yeah. And, you know, and I think the, um, you know, a lot of these videos that have, um, you know, that have gone up to, you know, that just really show, um, you know, to, to, to try to connect with people, um, to highlight, you know, the good work that's being done, particularly by the healthcare workers, um, you know, applauding them, um, recognizing their hard work. Um, yeah, you know, that's seven o'clock applause, right? The 7 p.m. applause the, that is, is fantastic. That is awesome. Yeah, that's and they need that. I mean, I'm trying to imagine what it would be like. Look, I have the luxury of, um, you know, uh, working from home. I'm, like I was telling you before we started recording, I, you know, I work in an office by myself in a building with only a few people left in it. People keep their doors closed. I'm like, I can go in, you know, um, because we don't, I don't have the, uh, we have the benefit of lower density. We have a very, very small cases. I mean, in the city of Roanoke, as of today, it was like 24 cases. And in the county where I am, it's the same. Um, a neighboring city of Salem is six cases, you know, and we don't have the density. And so it's really, it's really easy to practice 
relatively easy. You know, you still have to, I find you still have to do the defensive social distancing. Like you have to do defensive driving, always looking out for other people who are not paying attention. You have to do the same thing with social distancing. <laughs> You're in the stores. But, you know, I have the luxury. Like a lot of people don't have that luxury. You know, especially the, these folks that have to go into the hospitals, the ones that are just seeing, you know, the, the really the worst end of this. Um, you know, they're seeing people dying. They're seeing people who can't breathe. They're, you know, they're trying to ease um, conditions. They're working at some point, in, in some cases, you know, with hospitals that are at full capacity, maybe even over capacity. Not that every, not that every place, you know, is like that. Um, but just to be, you know, in whatever way they can be thanked, they can be applauded and recognized um, for their work. I think it's great. Yeah, I think so too. And and it has been cool to see those who were um, in the background a lot. You know, you don't really consider the people who are stocking your grocery shelves. You don't think of them. Um, now they're getting cards. Now they're getting thanked. Now they're getting applauded. Like that's really cool to see. And my prayer is that that will continue uh, going forward, that more and more people will, um, they'll hear this, they'll see their grocery store worker as essential, truly an essential person that they rely on. Right. Um, we don't, I didn't think about it that way. I'm not going to say it for granted. And that's a spot. And that's another spotlight, I think in a positive way that, um, that has been shown to us, the folks that we really take for granted. Yeah. One of the things that I've seen that's been really cool is the creativity of the church. Um, you know, we've been put in a terrible position. Uh, churches gather. That's what we do. We get together, we worship, and we fellowship, and we go to small groups and Bible studies, and we go to people's houses for dinner and potlucks and all that. We do that. We That's what the church is about. Um, and suddenly, we've been told, keep your door closed. And, you know, if you are a um, kingdom-minded life-honoring person, you have closed your doors. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Close your doors if you love Jesus. All right, I'm going to put it all the way out there. This is Six Commandments stuff. You can't follow after Jesus and put your neighbor at risk willingly. Anyway, I've done that soapbox about 12 times on this podcast. Well, apparently it's still needed. It's still needed, yeah. See, this is why we need a higher listenership, because apparently it's not getting through. Um... No, but I, I think one of the things that's been cool is to see how people have really um, figured out how to proclaim the gospel to their people, how they're doing church. Um, you know, I, I we're not doing drive-in church where I'm at, but the drive-in church thing's kind of cool. I like it. It's it's not the way we've chosen to do it, but to, you know, you're staying in your cars, you're staying away from other folks, you're not getting yeah. out and playing patty cake. You're you're staying in your cars. But you're worshiping together. At least you can see the congregation in their cars congregated, right? That's right. cool. That's super crazy. Who thought of driving it church? And I, it, it grieves me, you know, to see folks who are practicing, you know, social distancing, you know, still come under the weight of the law. Like, that's just, that's wrong. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, like I said before. That they're going through and taking the license plates of these people and the protesters with the AR-15s are being ignored. I think we have our priorities out of whack. I'm mm-hmm. just going to throw that. I don't know if that's, I don't know what state that was, but um, reconsider your priorities. But I think that's been cool. You know, online services have gotten really, really cool. 
you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's funny to be in a church that was not at all prepared for this and to see the creativity of some of the folks who are working in my church to make these online experiences as good as we can. Like, we know we can't make up for the real thing, but we're at least trying to make it enjoyable and we're trying to get worship across and we really want people to connect with the Lord during this. Uh, the phone calls, the small groups that are happening over Zoom, the way that the church has refused to allow social distancing orders to keep them apart from one another in a good way by using technology to stay connected um, has been really cool to see for me. Right. And I also appreciate the, um, you know, the way that, so you know, in, in, you know, some of the more arts uh, forms where, you know, kind of making performances available yeah. online for free and, you know, and just providing that outlet where people, you know, because people can't go out and go to mm-hmm. the theater or go to a concert or, you know, so, you know, the concert, the online concerts that are happening and performances and, you know, just to still give people that that outlet even under these restrictions. I think it's really cool. Cause you, they, know, you know, because listen, these folks are losing money. Oh, no right? question. They have, you know, performance venues like they book acts they have um you know like uh, ballet companies and symphonies like they plan this out you know months ahead of time and so these guys have lost like a lot of revenue and so to to provide something online anyway say hey we're still going to do what we do i, I yeah. think it's commendable well and and for folks who are really wanting to like oh what what's some cool performances out there so there were two that really captured my imagination one was um Bocelli in Milan on mm-hmm. Easter, um, singing in a beautiful cathedral. And if you're even if you're not a fan of classical music, go listen to that. That was astounding. It's on YouTube. He streamed it for free. And he ends it with Amazing Grace outside in the streets oh. of Milan. And it is just, it is, that's a tearjerker moment. You know, one of the other th- cool things, so there was a, um, uh, a massive benefit concert on Sunday night, I think it was Sunday night, for um, the World Health Organization. Mm-hmm. raised millions and millions and millions of dollars for a World Health Organization that, that's doing a lot of amazing work to try and fight back against COVID, right? And, um, uh, again, that was a little subtweet. Um, yeah, but... it was. You know, you might, I don't know. So. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little pushback on that, but All right. I'm going yeah, to We can do an episode on that. Episode. Anyway, included in this, um, during the pre-show, so not everybody who watched that concert wouldn't have seen this unless they were watching the pre-show online, and I threw that on in the background. Jennifer Hudson showed up um, and did an incredible rendition of Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. Mm. Uh, now, that is one of my all-time favorite songs in general. It is my wife's favorite song. And so I, it came on, I called my wife in, and we sat there, and we're, we're listening to Jennifer Hudson. And she's got, um, they do it on, you know, on Zoom or whatever it was, and they'd combined all the tracks. And so she had her backup singers there and, and a couple musicians. And that was just a, a stunning, stunning performance. And so I encourage people to go look that up. That was just, I'll have to go look that up. Yeah, so Jennifer Hudson singing Hallelujah for the, uh, the Global Citizen concert that just happened. Um, and then I haven't seen this. Have you seen this show, The Chosen? I have not. I've seen ads for it. I've seen it ever, and 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 I'm hearing incredible things. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to recommend it because I haven't seen it yet. But I do know it is on the short list for me of things to see because I watched the Sight and Sound Jesus production that they made for free over Easter weekend, which was incredible. 
Um, I've heard this thing is really cool too. I mean, we're seeing the arts do some pretty incredible things. Um, and that has been a lot of fun. That's been a lot of fun. And I tell you what, it's been helpful when the days get long. Yeah. And, and they're getting long. You know, we were on a, um, uh, we had our small group, um, zoom meeting last night and even in our Sunday school zoom meeting, uh, earlier, you know, there was this, this consensus that last week was really hard. You know, at first it was like, okay, yeah, we're staying at home. We can do this. You know, you shift, you know, you kind of shift gears, but then there is a heaviness, a weightiness that begins to, to really descend on the process. And especially for it being, you know, such an extended process, you know, for us, it's, you know, to June 10th, which is, it is what what oh i have a feeling i mean new york hadn't made that official yet we moved ours to the middle of may but that the only reason for that is governor cuomo is only extending these two weeks at a time i have a feeling we're going to be doing this for a while yeah so um yeah so just you know just that that heaviness and weightiness um i think you know people are really feeling it and um and so it's good to you know to have what you know in whatever ways we can look to be in, in encouraging um look to be peacemakers um you know look to you know just being being concerned with the other as more important than ourselves in the vein of Philippians 2 3 amen and you know i think that that leads us to a good place to end is is we are um still able to pray and we are still commanded to pray and there's a lot to pray for um you know we uh here in new york we think we've seen the apex we think we've seen the worst but what's been really discouraging is that rather than a curve it feels like we've hit a plateau in the death numbers they don't seem to be going down they're not going up anymore they're not really going down much either. Now that's changed in like the last day. Yeah, I would say the last couple days maybe because I have there were that each each day the numbers the that no I mean even though it's high yeah you know and you're losing like a few hundred folks a day yeah I mean we sat long, in the six hundreds a day for a few days there and that was mm-hmm. rough um, yeah. I mean our peak was north of a thousand a day or something insane like that but I mean we we. We may be, I, I think the reason we're saying it's a plateau is is we don't trust that the numbers are actually going to go down and keep going down because it's been high for so long. Um, I pray I'm wrong, but that's the thing. Let's be praying about that. Let's be praying that the numbers do drop. Let's be praying mm-hmm. that um, people do take seriously the importance of staying home right. so that people don't die. Like it's that simple. The calculus isn't hard. If you stay home, less people die. So let's pray that people stay home. Right. And that, you know, and that really goes back to our loyalties and lenses, right? If you're seeing this through a self-interest lens, if you're seeing it through a partisan lens, um, you know, through what, what I have the right to do, we're going to, we're not going to respond, especially as Christians, we're not going to respond appropriately. And what is this showing us about what we have been depending on? Are we depending on politics? Are we depending on our guy, you know, being in office? Are we depending on the right person being in office? Are we depending on the political process? Are 
we depending on our ability to have our rights or are we depending on the Lord? Because ultimately that's where our dependence has to lie. Amen. Well, that's a great place to end it. We thank you so much for being a part of this conversation today. And we look forward to being with you again next week with our next episode of Family Discussion. Well, thank you again for joining us for this week's Family Discussion. If you'd like to learn more or catch up on episodes you missed, head on over to our home at reformedmargins.com. There you'll find great content about a whole host of issues that we pray will bless your relationship with Jesus, including articles written by Lisa Spencer and me, Marcos Ortega. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Your hosts are Marcos Ortega and Lisa Spencer. Our producer is Larry Lynn. Family Discussion is hosted by Podbean and recorded with Audacity. If you like what you heard today, it would be a great help to us if you gave a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite content so that you don't miss our next family discussion.